It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion. pastor of the Holmes Memorial Church now and that's where he is and Miss Betty will be joining him in a few weeks. They've served faithfully for the past several years as the director of Evangelism USA for the entire denomination and as the uh, vice chairman of the entire church. And now goodbyes are hard. Uh, it wasn't easy for Jesus to say goodbye to his followers. It wasn't easy for Paul to say goodbye to the Ephesian elders. It wasn't good for, easy for Paul to say goodbye to Timothy. There, there's those moments when we have to say goodbye. And uh, Steve and Julie are taking a few days off and regret so much that they couldn't be here. But they wrote a letter to you, and I'd like to read it. It says, heroes are usually heroes because they are held at a distance and their humanity is never put on display. We have not been held at arm's length with Bishop Chris and Betty Thompson. We have seen your humanity and the impeccable integrity, contagious passion, and unfaltering consistency you have served with during this season, which has not diminished our esteem for you as heroes, rather has only deepened it. You are our heroes. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your passion. Thank you for your friendship and support. Passion Church will always be your church family. We will pro provide you a prayer covering as you pursue this new call and adventure and journey in your life. May God richly bless and keep you. May you discover this to be the most fruitful and rewarding season of your ministry. We will miss you greatly and hope you will feel free to call on us if you need anything and that you will visit us as often as possible. We are proud to be called your pastors and part of your church family, Pastor Steve and Julie. And we want to pray for you. We want to pray for them in this new season. Uh, life is a journey. When you follow Jesus, uh, you follow the steps he leads you in. And we believe they're being led of God to raise up a generation of young people in ministry and missions and in outreach like never before. It's a, it's a formidable task, but we know that God can enable them to do it. Father, as we come to you right now, we bless you and thank you for Chris and Betty Thompson. We thank you for their lives and their service and their ministry. And now, Father, we pray for them as they start this new journey. We pray for them in four ways. We pray that you would grant them wisdom, the gift of wisdom from your Holy Spirit, the knowledge that only you can impart. We pray that not only would you grant them wisdom, but your knowledge to know how to apply that wisdom to the hearts of these young people. And Lord, we pray for courage. We pray that you would give them heart every day as they labor with these young people, as they minister to them in the power of the Spirit. Encourage Chris and Betty every day. Give them the courage to stand for the truth and to proclaim the truth. And Lord, most of all, give them strength daily. May they feel the presence of your arms around them 
and the sustaining grace of God that keeps them. Lord, bless them in this season and make them abundantly fruitful. We're so thankful that we know them and they're part of the body of Christ and that we are members together in you. Bless them and their family. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Love you, lady. He wanted you to have this. Amen. Brother Chris has already switched over into the pastoral mode. He told him at general conference, don't call me bishop anymore, I'm Pastor Chris. So he's, he's ready to go and that's where he is today. But we're going to miss them, but we're going to see them again and hear the great reports of young people trained in the kingdom of God. Well, it's a pleasure to be here this morning. Uh, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn with me to John chapter 4. And we're going to read beginning with verse 3. John chapter 4 and verse 3. And this is a very familiar portion of Scripture. Maybe one of the most familiar portions of Scripture in the New Testament. Jesus left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But he must needs go through Samaria. So he came to a city of Samaria which is called Sychar near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away in the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. When then do you get that living where then do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered and said to her, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water that I may not thirst nor come all the way here to draw. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come here. The woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You have well said, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one whom you now have is not your husband. In that you spoke truly. The woman said to her, said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain, and you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and now is, when the worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. Or one translation says, by spirit and by truth, or they will worship him by the spirit of truth. 
The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Verse 29. The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, Come see a man who told me all things that ever I did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. And then dropping down to verse uh, 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans had come to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his own word. Then they said to the woman, Now we believe not because of what you said, for we ourselves have heard him, and we know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. From your will to your world. From your will to your world. It was the sixth hour of the day. It was nearly noon. And it was a hot day in Samaria. And you can see her. She's alone. She's on her way to Jacob's well. The well, she simply says, was the well of our father. For that particular place in Samaria was owned by Jacob. He had purchased it hundreds of years before. And he had bequeathed it to his son Joseph. And they had dug the well because the well was the source of water, the source that sustained life. In fact, she even recalls that not only did Jacob drink from that well, but his sons and his livestock as well. It was over a hundred foot deep. It was not a spring-fed well. It was simply a deep well that collected water in its bottom, a hundred foot deep. It was Jacob's well. And she was on her way to the well. It was a half a mile's journey from Sychar. She had left her own town of Sychar in the land of Samaria, and carrying her water pot, she is coming to Jacob's well. You could see the picture. It's a, it's a stone water pot. I tried to purchase one and I couldn't find exactly what I needed. Itself would weigh about three to four pounds. And it would contain anywhere from three to five gallons of water. Now think about that for a moment. Because a gallon of water weighs approximately eight and a half pounds. And so if she put three gallons of water from Jacob's well in her water pot, it would lay somewhere around 25 pounds to carry it. If she put five gallons of water in that pot, it would weigh almost 50 pounds. And she is bearing that water pot. You can see her. She's slightly bent under the weight of that burden. But most of all, notice her face. Sad. Forlorn look is etched into her countenance. There's a tiredness in her steps. But most of all, look deep within her eyes. She has that troubled look, that lonely look, that look that says, I I'm searching for something, but I haven't found it. It's almost as if she's carrying that water pot of her burden and walking to the edge of Jacob's well and looking down into the depths of that well and saying to herself, maybe this water, if only this natural water from this well 
could some way satisfy my thirst. Or maybe she's saying something even deeper. Not only could it satisfy my thirst, oh, if only it could satisfy and heal that inner hurt and my empty heart. Well, he was on his way home to Galilee. He had been in Jerusalem. He had preached the good news of the gospel. They had baptized many followers. He had cleansed the temple. And now there came a controversy over who was baptizing the most. John the Baptist or Jesus. And so Jesus decides to leave Jerusalem and go home to Galilee. It's a trip of approximately three days if you go through Samaria. Samaria is 43 miles north of Jerusalem. And when you pass through the land of Samaria, you would quickly come to Galilee. About a three days journey. But the Jews would not go through Samaria. And so when they left Jerusalem and came to the edge of Samaria, they would cross the Jordan River to the east and go up the wilderness area of the Jordan. And when they had bypassed Samaria, then cross back to the west and come into Galilee. It took them six days on that journey. But they wouldn't go through Samaria because the Jews had no dealings with the Samaritans. Don't you remember who Samaria is? It was the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Israel in the olden kingdom. But they had fallen into apostasy. They had broken their covenant relationship with Jehovah and had fallen to idolatry. And they were overcome by the Assyrians and they were dispersed throughout the nation of Syria and Babylon. And only a few of them had been left in Samaria. And that evil king from Assyria, he brought foreigners into the land to help populate what had been known as that northern kingdom. And now they had intermarried with the Jews that had remained. And they became a mixed tribe. We'd call them half-breeds. They're not pure. They're part Assyrian and part Jew. They're Samaritans. And the Jews have nothing to do with them because they are not ethically, ethnically pure. And not only that, they had fallen into to, to idol worship. Now, you remember when finally the Jews from the south were liberated and came back into Jerusalem under Ezra and Nehemiah to rebuild the temple and to rebuild the wall, that the Samaritans came and wanted to help. They wanted to help rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. And Ezra rejected them. And when he rejected them, they rebelled against Jerusalem. And they decided they would build their own temple and they built it on the top of Mount Gerizim. The mount that Moses called the Mount of Blessing. For don't you remember in the Old Testament when Moses told Joshua, you bring the people in the land, put half the people on Mount Gerizim and half the people on Mount Ebal and Mount Gerizim will be the Mount of Blessings and they'll read the law that blesses you and the people on Mount Ebal, that will be the, the Mount of Cursing and they will pronounce the curses if you don't keep the law. And so they chose to build their temple on Mount Gerizim, the Mount of the Blessing. They believed in the five books of Moses, the Pentateuch. But they rejected all the other scriptures of the Hebrews. You know why? Well, all the other scriptures said the temple belongs in Jerusalem. Salvation is of the Jews. The Messiah is going to come through Abraham. And salvation will be out from the Jewish nation. Well, they rejected that. And so they rejected all the other Hebrew scriptures except the five books of Moses. And they rewrote those slightly 
to make it Mount Gerizim to where the temple was to be and not in Jerusalem. And so the Jews had nothing to do with the Samaritans. They wouldn't even walk through their country. But the Bible said he was on his way home. And instead of going through the process of crossing the Jordan and bypassing Samaria, he must needs go through Samaria. And so there he is. It's noontime. His disciples have been sent into the little village of Sychar to buy, buy food for the noonday meal. And while they're gone, Jesus is sitting on the edge of the well of Jacob, tired and hot at noontime, when all of a sudden the lady with the water pot from Sychar and Jesus meets. And as she comes, she sees him. He's a man. And he's not just any kind of a man. He's a Jew. And he's going to ignore me. He's going to ridicule me. He's going to have nothing to do with me because the Jews have nothing to do with the Samaritans. And besides that, he wears a toilet that makes him a rabbi. And a rabbi cannot even walk with his own wife and his own sister or his own daughter in public, much less talk to me. And he's going to totally ignore and reject me and maybe even leer at me. And then all of a sudden, he speaks. And he simply starts with a little question. Give me a drink. It's hot. It's noon. It's hot in Samaria during that time of the year. And I'm tired from my journey. And my simple request is a drink of water. Oh, but you hear it as she spits it back in his face. Every word drenched in sarcasm. How is it that you being a Jew would speak to me? Because I am a Samaritan and I am a woman. And all of a sudden this well becomes very important. This is not a chance meeting. This is an on-purpose meeting. Jesus had to go through Samaria because He realized that when He got there, she also would be there. This is not a chance or a happen chance or some coincidence. This is on purpose. He's come to the well. It's an important well. And so He looks at her and says, what you need is a well, but not this natural well. What you need is a well of revelation. Because if you knew the gift of God, if you had spiritual insight, perception, and understanding, if there's some way God could pull back the veil and reveal to you the gift of God and who it is that is asking you for water, you would have changed the tone of your voice and you would have asked of me and I would have given you living water that does not come from this natural well. For if you drink the water that comes from this natural well, you'll thirst again. But if you drink the water that I give unto you, it won't be an old stagnant well of collected and contaminated water, but it will be a fountain of springing water and it will spring up unto everlasting life. And immediately she says, well, uh, 
I don't know how you're even going to get this water. <laughs> the well is deep. 100 foot. You don't have a rope. You have nothing to draw with. How are you going to... And what Jesus is doing is bringing her to the revelation and the understanding of what this meeting is all, all about. In other words, he says, you've come to this well, this natural well, for a refreshing. But I've come to give you a spiritual refreshing and a revelation. You're drinking stagnant water that will cause you to thirst again. But I've come to give you living water of salvation. And this well, first of all, becomes the well of revelation. You know what the first revelation is? When you come to your well to meet Jesus, it is always a well of revelation. And it's the revelation of yourself and of your sin. Notice, she was an outcast. She's alone because of her sinful lifestyle. She comes to this well alone on purpose. Notice that she is racially an outcast. She's a Samaritan. The Jews have nothing to do. She lives in isolation because of her race. Not only that, she is, a, she is an outcast because of her religion. They've rewritten the law of God. They, they don't believe that the temple ought to be in Jerusalem. And since they've rejected that, they've rejected half the scriptures and they rewrote the other books in order to make Mount Gerizim the place of worship instead of Jerusalem and that salvation is of the Samaritans not coming out from the Jews. They've rewritten the whole book and they've turned not only against the truth but they've turned to idolatry and false gods. She's an outcast racially. She's an outcast religiously. And she's an outcast in relationship. She's a woman. And in that system, she had no rights whatsoever. A rabbi couldn't even talk to her. She couldn't sit at his feet and listen to the truth. It was forbidden by the law. And so she in her relation... And she's an outcast because of her relationship. She said... I really want this. That's why I came to this well. I came to this well to get some kind of water and satisfaction that, that, would, that would satisfy my thirst and put out the fire in my heart and make me whole. I want the water. Give me the water that you're talking about. If it doesn't come from a natural well, whatever well it comes from, whatever spring it's bubbling up, give me this water. And Jesus said, sure. Just go get your husband and bring him and I'll give you the water. And she said, uh, Lord, I don't have a husband. And he said, you're, you're correct. You've had five husbands. And the man that you now have is not your husband. In that, you spoke truly. It, that scripture never jumps out at you? You never thought about that scripture? She had five husbands. Now, now understand, we're living under the Old Testament covenant still. Did you know that a woman in that day could not divorce her husband for any reason? Adultery, any reason, abuse, misuse. A woman had no right to divorce her husband. Only the husband can divorce the wife. You're looking at me. I didn't write those rules. I'm just telling you the way it was. Go back and read Deuteronomy chapter 24. 
And Moses, because of the hardness of their heart, not because God intended it that way. God's, God's plan is in Genesis, one man for one woman for life. That's God's plan. Jesus reiterates that in the New Testament. But because of the hardness of your heart, Moses gave them the bill of divorcement. But only the man could give the woman a divorce. And what did Deuteronomy say? If she loses favor, if she is not pleasing in your sight, and you find any uncleanness in her, you can put her away. The word uncleanness in the Hebrew means unfaithfulness. It means indecency. But he started by saying, if she finds no favor in your sight, or if you find uncleanness in her. So there became two schools of thought in the, in the, the Jewish nation about divorce. One camp said, you can divorce your wife for anything. If she doesn't please you, if she burns the food, if you don't like the way she cleans the house, you can give her a bill. The other one said, no, no, the, the loss of favor is because of the the indecency because you've found sexual impurity because there's adultery or that's the only reason. And so there was this big debate. But not these people in Mount Gerizim because they only had the five books. And so they believed that the only reason for divorce was indecency or immorality. You guys are extremely quiet, are you? Now, now notice what it said. She had five husbands. Now, there was another law called the Leveret Law in which if a Jewish man died and had no children, no heirs to leave his inheritance because the land never left Israel and it never left the family. So if, if a man died and he had no children as heirs, then his brother, if he had a brother, his brother was required to marry his wife and raise up children to the dead so that the inheritance... I didn't write that law either. Now... I, And so maybe, I'm, I'm, it doesn't say, I'm speculating. Maybe the first husband died. And they did the Leveret Law, and the brother took her to raise... But five husbands. And so the implication is solid. That every one of those five husbands found in her uncleanness. Indecency. Sexual impurity, adultery. You guys are. <laughs> and one after the other, they gave her the bill of divorcement. And she found another, and he gave her a bill of divorcement. And she found another, and they gave her a bill of divorcement. And she found another. And ultimately, the man that she now has maybe stole her from her, her last husband through adultery, and he gives her his bed but not his name. And why do you think she came at noon? The women don't draw water at noon. They draw it early in the morning. They get out of the heat of the day. The pot is heavy. The burden is hard. They, have to, they, didn't, they didn't walk a half a mile from the town to come to the well uh, uh, of Jacob. To, there were wells in Sychar. But if she went to the wells in Sychar, she had to deal with the ladies. The stares, the ridicule, the snide remarks, the sarcasm. There, there she is. Have you heard the latest? Somebody told me she's on number three. 
No, you're way behind times. I heard it was four. No, you all are out of the loop. It's at least five. Well, haven't you heard the latest news? It's not even five. Somebody stole her away from the last one. And she's living in the dark. She had had that every day until her heart's empty. And the weight of that burden is more than she can take. So she avoids them. And she comes a half a mile weighted down to a well. And the first thing Jesus does is reveals to her herself and her sin. Because if you don't recognize your sin, if you don't acknowledge your sin, you cannot be saved. It is godly sorrow that worketh repentance unto salvation that needeth not be repented of. If we confess, if we say the same thing about our sins that He says about our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we fail to acknowledge and recognize our sinfulness, we can't be saved. And so the well is a revelation of you and of your condition. Not to condemn you. Not to judge you. But to bring salvation to you. To satisfy the thirst and the hunger. And the emptiness of your soul. And so he brings her to the place. Where she is facing her own sins. And it's not only a well that brings a self revelation. Of your sin and yourself. But it's the revelation of salvation that satisfies. You know what he said? Your self-efforts can't save you. You've been carrying that pot. You've been dipping water from the well. You've been looking for something that will satisfy your spiritual thirst. You're looking for a water that will put out the fire of lust in your heart. And all of your self-efforts has produced nothing. The water I'm offering doesn't come through your self-efforts. It doesn't come from a natural well. And it's not only the salvation that doesn't come from your self-efforts, it only comes through Him. You know what He said? If you knew the gift of God, notice that. Not something that you earn, not something that you merit, not something that you deserve, what I'm offering you is nothing that you can do on your own, no water that you can draw, no burden that you can bear. What I'm offering you is a gift of God. That's why we call it grace. It is the unmerited favor of God. We can't earn it. We don't deserve it. But He was loving and kind and merciful and He produced a salvation that satisfies. And it's a revelation of that salvation. That the salvation I'm giving you is not the old stagnant. Look, you know what Jesus is saying? Look, it's not Mount Gerizim. There's not just one way. And it's not Jerusalem. There's not just two ways. I'm telling you there's a new way. Because the time is coming and now is when men worship the Father. They're not going to go to a natural temple in Mount Gerizim. And they're not going to a temple in Jerusalem. But they that worship my Father must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Because God is a spirit. And they that worship God must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Or by spirit and truth. Or by the spirit of truth. Or the spirit will empower you and enable you to know the truth 
And when you know the truth, then the truth will set you free and you will become my disciples indeed and you won't be coming to some natural well with your self-effort for salvation, but you'll be born again. You'll be born from above. You'll be born by the Spirit and the water of God's Word for we are saved through the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. We've been redeemed not by corruptible things like silver and gold, from the vain conversations and the tradition of our elders, but by the incorruptible blood of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God, without spot and without blemish. He alone is the way. He alone is the truth. He alone is the life. And He's showing her and revealing to her a new way of salvation that satisfies. Serenity after her sins. Peace after her pain. Calm after the chaos of her life. He reveals your sin in yourself so that He can show you the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ alone. And then He gives her the third revelation. And you know what it is? Of the Savior Himself. You know what she immediately says? Well, I don't know everything about the Bible, but I know this. A Messiah is coming. In fact, the Samaritans taught there would be 6,000 years of creation. And after the 6,000th year of creation, there would come a new Messiah. And she said, I, I, I don't know everything about theology, but there's one thing I remember. A Messiah, the Christ, the Anointed One is going to come. And when He comes, He'll tell us what we need to know. And Jesus gives her a new revelation. And He looks at her and says, I want to tell you something. I that speak to you, I am He. Oh, He didn't, do you understand He didn't reveal that in Jerusalem? He didn't go into the temple and stand up in the outer court among the Sanhedrin and the priest and say, Hey! He revealed it to a sinner lady with a water pot that she couldn't bear and a thirst that she couldn't quench sitting on a hot day in Samaria in a forbidden land and he looks her right in the eye and says, I've got a new revelation for you. I want you to know who it is. I want you to know what the gift of God is. I that speak to thee, I am He. You know what he really said in the Hebrew? I am. The same way he revealed himself to Moses at the burning bush. The same way he's revealed himself throughout the Old Testament. I am Jehovah Jireh. I am Jehovah Nissi. I am Jehovah Reah. I am Jehovah Rapha. I am Jehovah Sidkenu. I am Jehovah Zaboth. I am He. Hallelujah. And so was this well of redemption. But it was a revelation. But it was also, secondly, the well of redemption. Notice what she did. She dropped her pot. She got out from under the burden. She left the water pot. Hallelujah. That's what salvation is about. That your burdens are lifted. That your sin is forgiven. That your thirst is satisfied. That your hunger is filled. That your emptiness becomes filled with the living water that only Jesus Christ can give unto you. She left her self-efforts and she left her past because that water pot is symbolic of all the sin of her past and all the weight and the burden that she had borne that she could no longer carry. And she leaves it and drops it. She goes rejoicing, forgiven, changed, new creation, 
not old stagnant water, but a fountain springing up. Because if any man be in Christ Jesus, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. And she goes rejoicing and, and singing. And I, 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 don't, I would sing this. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed through His infinite mercy. His child and forever I am. Redeemed. Redeemed. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. Redeemed. Redeemed. His child and forever I am. Oh, we, we used to get excited about being saved. And we used to say, I'm saved and I know that I am. I'm saved and I know that I am. I'm saved and I know that I am. I'm so glad that I know that I... Is anybody in the house saved? Anybody ever been to a well? Anybody had that revelation of your sin? But all of a sudden you had a revelation of the plan of salvation and you had the revelation of the Savior. And when you leave the well, your old pots are left and you're a new creation and it's a well of redemption. Can you imagine how she's going back that half mile? You know, she passed the disciples. They're bringing food and she's shouting on the way. There, there may be some of you right now. This is your will. Hey, you've come into this church this morning. Hey, you know, somebody invited you. Huh? Just chance, circumstance, luck, coincidence. Uh-uh. Jesus knew you were going to be here. And he come to sit on the well, wait for you. Oh, he'll reveal your sin, yeah, but only to save you. Only to show you that salvation is through Jesus Christ alone. Only to let you know that all your self-efforts are in vain. But He has living water. Come unto me all you that labor and heavy laden and I'll give you rest. Everyone that is thirst, let him come unto me and drink. Out of His innermost belly, out of His belly and His innermost being, they'll flow rivers, not stagnant wells, fountains. If you just leave your water pots. If you just confess your sins. Hey, it, it, it might be a good time for some of you to do that right now. All you have to do is drop the pot. All you have to do is say, can't save myself. The water I've been drinking hasn't put out any fires. The efforts I've been given hasn't solved one thing in my life. And so, Lord, I want to drink. But I want to drink of living water. That, that's all you have to do. Right where you're sitting. That's all you have to do. Is just drop your past life. Admit that I can't save myself. And what I really need is a drink of water. Life. What I need is you, Jesus. Anybody done that? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been to that well? Come on. Can any of you been to the well of redemption? Oh, come on. Are you saved? Put your hand up, somebody. You, you know, and I, I'm you know that's where we end, don't you? Dude, I've been to the well. Oh, he revealed my sin, but he did it to give me the plan of salvation, satisfies, and he showed me that he's the Savior, and I left the well singing, redeemed, redeemed. How I love to proclaim it. His child and for I'm run, I'm going back to this, I'm shouting. Don't we like that part of it? Oh, but wait. There's something else about this well. It's not just a well of revelation. And it's not just a well of redemption. 
It's a well of responsibility. You know where she went? To Sychar. You know who she went to? The men of the city. And you know what she said? I've met a man. Duh, you think? Well, now, now wait. I mean, one was looking at the other and said, it, that's nothing unusual. Had six. She, she said, I met a man. Oh, but I want to tell you about this man. He's different than any man I ever met. He didn't reject me. He didn't condemn me. He didn't use me. He didn't abuse me. He didn't misuse me. He didn't want anything from me. He just told me all about myself. Could that be our Messiah? Wow. See, when you come to your well and you've had the revelation, and you've received redemption, you have a responsibility. You have to leave your well and go to your world. She went to her world, to Sychar, to where she was ridiculed and rejected, and she came with this simple sharing of her story. Do you understand that's what your testimony is? That you don't have to be a theologian. You don't even have to know the road to Romans. You've got a story. You were under the burden of the water pot. Your life was in chaos. You were thirsty and couldn't be quenched. You were burdened and could not be lifted. But you met a man. He's the man. And the man told me all about myself. But he lifted my burdens and gave me living. Simplicity. She just shared her story. And they saw the peace that passes understanding. And the joy that was unspeakable and full of glory. And the love of God that had been shed abroad in her heart. And her eyes are not troubled. And her countenance is not etched with pain. She's changed. And when they heard her story, they said, let's go see this man. And the men came out. And when they got to where Jesus was, they said, why don't you stay with us for a couple of days? And he talks to them. We don't know what he said. John doesn't record it. We only know the end of the two-day revival meeting. At the end of the two days, they come to the lady and said, hey, we believe first because of what you said, but we don't believe because of what you said anymore. We've heard him ourselves, and we believe because of what he said to us. And church... That is your responsibility. If you've been to the well, you've got to go to your world. And your world is Samaria. Jesus said, your world is Jerusalem. And that's the city in Judea. That's the state in Samaria. That's the next state. And, and, and the other... Your, wor your world is wherever you are. Your world is your school. Your world is your family. Your world is your neighborhood. Your world is your job. You've been to the well.
Oh, but Brother Bob, I it's simple. Can I just tell you what she didn't say? She she didn't walk up to the now if I'd been her, I'd have probably done it like this. You guys, you're all sinners. You're going to hell. That's not good news, that's bad news. Or, or, or she might have walked up to them and said, Look, all you guys are worshiping the wrong Bible. You're reading the wrong Bible. You, you rewrote it yourself. You, you've got the wrong religion. You're serving the wrong gods. You're worshiping in the wrong church. That's not good news, that's bad news. You know, she didn't do any of that. She just walked up and said, I met a man. And he put out the fire. And he satisfied my thirst. It's got to be the Messiah. That's the good news. The good news is what He's done for you. He's no respecter of persons. Whosoever will, let him come and drink the water of life freely. The good news is, Whatever burden that you're carrying, He'll remove that. Whatever thirst you have, He'll satisfy that. Whatever emptiness and longing you feel in your heart, He'll satisfy that. He's the man. That's your story. <laughs> Never forget, I went home to my little southwest Oklahoma town, uh, Anna Darko, after I was called to preach and been preaching for a while. And I saw a good buddy of mine in high school. He's a, uh, he was a black kid and... and and there was still some racial tension in Anadarko, mainly through whites and Indians, but some black too. And I'd befriended him, and we, we ran around some together. And, and he looked at me and he said, I heard something about you. I said, really? He said, I heard that you're a preacher. And I said, yep, that's right. Christ saved me, and I've been trying to preach. And he said, well, why don't you do something for me? And I said, well, he said, I want you to pray for me. I said, okay, I'll be glad to. He said, because you're bad, and if he can save you, he can save anybody. <laughs> Say, you only know my good sides, you know. <laughs> but that, that's it. That's your world. Oh, hallelujah. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you. This well, you have, you have to get out. Now, I know we're doing outreach. Please don't misunderstand. My heart rejoiced last Wednesday and broke at the same time. Rejoiced at all the people that 400 snow cones, 400 hot dogs, 200 backpacks, people from all over. My, I, man, my heart was leaping. We could have given away 1,000 backpacks. But did we bring them to the well. It's not enough just to give them school supplies. We've got to give them the man. And you do that with the simplicity of your testimony. And, and, and I'm going to close and I'll share this story with you. His name is, uh, and I'll probably mispronounce it, won't, won't say it completely right, but I want to tell you this guy's name. He's from China. A, a, and his name is Ying Kai. And from 2000 to 2010, he worked in one province of China. 
And when he came out of the province to a convention, he's Southern Baptist. And they had a big convention and young Kai, young Kai came out. And so they asked him to report. And he said, well, we've been, we've been doing pretty good in these 10 years. We have, right now, we have the last count I did, we have approximately 130,000 house churches with a million members. And they didn't believe him. And they asked him questions and they, they liked the answers he gave and they decided, okay, we're going to see for ourselves. So they sent an investigative team into the province and he had miscounted. He had 150,000 house churches and over a million and a half members. And you know how he did it? Everyone that comes into their church, every person commits to two things. You will condense your personal testimony to two minutes of how you met Jesus and the pot he lifted and the thirst he quenched. Two minutes. And every person you see in your world, you look for the moment to give them that two-minute testimony. I met the man. And if they're interested, then he teaches them a 20-minute presentation from Genesis to Revelation on the plan of salvation. And if they're interested after the two minutes, you set up an appointment and you give them the 20 minutes and lead them to Jesus. And they won a million and a half people by leaving their well and going to their world. I want you to stand with me right now. Back in the <laughs> back in the day, as the kids say, back in the seventies and eighties, there's a songwriter by the name of Keith Green. I don't know if any of you even know. You know probably all us old people do, but uh, died. We would say untimely. Uh, great, great songwriter. But I pulled up one of his old songs hadn't heard or listened to in a long time. He called it Asleep in the Light. I wish that when you get home you'd put up on your computer you can find the lyrics Asleep in the Light by Keith Green. Read them all. He's the one that coined the phrase in that song He rose from the dead and you can't get out of bed. But this is what he said. Do you see do you see all the people sinking down? Don't you care? Don't you care? Are you going to let them drown? How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job is done. Oh, can't you see such sin? The world is sleeping in the dark that the church just can't fight because it's asleep in the light. How can you be so numb not to care if they come? You close your eyes and pretend the job is done. But you've been to the well. If you've been to the well and you've got living water, I want you to, to raise your hand real high. If you don't have living water, you can have it before you leave this building. But if you've been to the well, you've got to go to your world.
Father, I thank you this morning for your presence. Help us to see with your eyes, to hear with your ears, to feel with your heart, to touch with your hands in our world. I pray for the family members of those that are here today. I pray that we would bring the man, the light, the life, the water, the relief to our family members. I pray for those we work with, we go to school with. Send us from our well to our world simple story of how you changed our lives. Let us just say to them, come meet the man because he changed me. Help us to do it in Jesus' name. Right now, how many of you would just quickly say by an upraised hand, there's somebody in my family that's under the water pot that's thirsty that's empty. Someone in my job, someone in my school, someone in my neighborhood that I personally know that needs living water. Would you slip up your hand? Father, we end today by bringing our world to you. They need you. And they're waiting for us to bring the good news. I pray that from this morning on, we that have been to your will will go out into the world knowing the job's not done and bring them life. Empower us with the good news and the power of your Spirit to get the job done. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 God bless you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.